0: Hello, and welcome back to SimWhip. Stuff you missed while you were pissed. I'm Mike. And I'm James. And today we're going to talk about something that probably has most of you pissed.
1: Net neutrality. Most of you are probably familiar with the FCC's rules a few months ago, which essentially overturned the Obama-era net neutrality policy.
0: Well, the Senate recently passed a joint resolution to nullify that rule. But what does this mean? And what the hell is a joint resolution? How is it different from a bill? We'll get to the difference between a resolution and a bill later on. For now,
1: let's try to understand the net neutrality rules and the FCC's new rule, but
0: without all the politics. I didn't write anything catchy to transition into the music, uh, so... commonly referred to net neutrality policy was established by the FCC in 2015 as the Open Internet Policy. It's a set of three rules placed upon internet service providers like Comcast, Verizon, etc. to prevent them from restricting or manipulating internet traffic. The three rules are as follows. One, clear, bright line rules. This means no
1: blocking, no throttling, and no paid prioritization.
0: Blocking refers to an internet service provider blocking content, like a particular website or application. Throttling refers to degrading or impairing web traffic based on content alone. And paid prioritization refers to accepting payment to prioritize some web traffic over others. And to be clear, by web traffic we mean the data sent and received by visitors to a particular website, uh, like Amazon.com or YouTube. Two,
1: no unreasonable interference or unreasonable disadvantage to consumers
0: or edge providers. This reinforces number one. Internet service providers can still speed up and slow down web traffic as is necessary to reasonably manage their networks. But they cannot block traffic, degrade it until it's unusable, or ask for payment to prioritize some web traffic over others. Those are the main things that are considered unreasonable interference, but this second rule can act as a catch-all if anything in the future might also fit this definition. Three, enhanced transparency. This says that internet service providers must publicly disclose their network management practices, performance, and broadband service access in a way that customers can understand and make informed buying decisions. Oh, and one other thing. The FCC reclassified Internet Service Providers under Title II of the Communications Act of 1934. Uh, Don't worry about the details of that. Just know that this would make it easier for the FCC to enforce these new rules. Fast forward to December 2017 and the FCC overturned
1: these rules in an order called Restoring Internet Freedom. Kudos to politicians
0: continuing to demonstrate their naming creativity. Here are the three main things that their order did. One overturned the previous open internet rules.
1: That's the three rules we just went over, including the Title II reclassification, so internet service providers are back under Title I of the Communications Act of 1934,
0: and all the previous rules we went over are now gone. Two, enforce transparency policies such that internet service providers disclose information to consumers so that they can make an informed buying decision. The previous ruling did this too, so no change there. 3. Transfer Enforcement Authority to the FTC.
1: Interestingly, the FTC, the Federal Trade Commission, used to handle all enforcement of communications law on internet service providers. It was only until recently that
0: this moved to the FCC. So then, what is the whole net neutrality debate about?
2: That they may take our lives, but they'll never take
1: Exactly, and no matter
0: which side of the debate you fall on, that's probably your goal. Nowadays, when someone brings up the net neutrality issue, they're likely referring to the open internet rules from 2015 and the recent FCC's overturning of those rules. You know, those things we just talked about? But the net neutrality issue is vastly oversimplified and often misrepresented. The truth is never simple. It doesn't fit into a soundbite, and most issues taking place on the national stage are much more complicated than you'd think. Anyway, let's get into the joint resolution.
1: As we mentioned in the beginning of the episode, the Senate recently passed a joint resolution to nullify the FCC's rule from December. But what's the difference
0: between a joint resolution and a bill? Reading directly from Senate.gov. Like a bill, a joint resolution requires the approval of both chambers in identical form and the president's signature to become law. There is no real difference between a joint resolution and a bill. The joint resolution is generally used for emergency appropriations. Joint resolutions are also used for proposing amendments to the Constitution. Such resolutions must be approved by two-thirds of both chambers and three-fourths of the states, but do not require the president's signature to become part of the Constitution. So joint resolutions aren't
1: as lengthy as bills, but they still go through the same approval process. That means this joint resolution doesn't do anything on its own. It still needs to pass the House
0: and get the president's signature. News outlets like CBSN seem to think that this joint resolution is a political stunt to officially demonstrate which politicians support net neutrality.
1: For more, I want to bring in CNET News executive editor Roger Chang. Roger, what what does this decision mean going forward? We know that it's not expected to pass the Senate. It's highly likely it's going to pass the House. So is this really going to make a difference?
2: Well, not really. This is definitely more of a political stunt. Uh, As you said, the House of Representatives, uh, isn't likely to to uh, vote in the same way. In fact, they don't have enough votes to actually uh, support this. And so um, this is definitely more about getting these senators on the record uh, and, and basically taking a position on net neutrality, which has generally been very popular with consumers.
0: Drama. Yeah, but like we said before, the debate is often oversimplified. We're going to play a couple excerpts from the same audio clip from CBSN as examples. First up, the equal treatment explanation.
1: The Senate has voted to reinstate net neutrality rules. Democrats forced the vote on the legislation. They're challenging the FCC's decision to roll back Obama-era regulations that require internet providers to give equal treatment for all web traffic. Yes, so the 2015 open internet rules don't say anything about equal treatment for all web traffic. They propose rules so that certain content
0: isn't singled out degraded or prioritized over other content for arbitrary reasons. For example, the content must be lawful. But more importantly, the open internet rules specifically allow for reasonable network management. All web traffic is not treated equally, and it would be crazy to actually do that. It might seem like we're
1: getting picky here, but it's important to make these distinctions. All web traffic cannot be
0: treated equally, but it's still reasonably managed. Next clip, same CBSN excerpt.
1: So ultimately, Roger, how is this going to impact folks with their internet in the coming months?
2: You know, the short term, uh, the changes in the net neutrality laws aren't going to have any real impact for consumers. I think it's going to be further down the line when you start to see uh, internet service providers introduce new business models. Uh, you know, the worst-case scenario, obviously, what, what people fear uh, is that certain services, uh, maybe not Netflix, but the next Netflix. Uh, may not get the quality of video streaming service that you'd you'd expect from a big player uh, really shutting them out and and sort of forcing you to rely on the big providers like a YouTube, like Netflix, who can afford to pay for these uh, internet fast lanes.
0: Now there's two things to unpack there. First off, small businesses being left behind and the idea that internet service providers could stifle competition. Secondly, the whole fast lanes notion. So basically, the
1: Internet Service Providers, or ISPs, could demand a payment or tax from content providers to use fast lanes of the Internet. This is essentially the whole paid
0: prioritization idea that was banned in the 2015 Open Internet Rules. The problem is this is a little oversimplified. The idea that ISPs could create a digital toll booth for content providers where only the biggest companies can afford to pay is entirely possible, but fast lanes for the biggest companies already exist. It's called peering and content delivery networks. Big content companies like Google put servers within the facilities of most
1: ISPs across the US. These servers store a small amount of important content and that content can be delivered much faster to a local geographic area because it doesn't have to travel across the entire internet. This is called peering.
0: And all these servers create a content delivery network. This network is like a mini-internet of sorts, and there's a bunch of them. Their entire purpose is to deliver specific content, like trending YouTube videos, to users more quickly and efficiently. But it's expensive. I mean, Google basically built its own workaround to the main internet backbone so that important and trending content can hit its user base without the rest of the world's web traffic slowing it down. So fast lanes are already a thing. Paid prioritization probably isn't gonna change the game here. And to be clear, Paid prioritization is not the same as what we see happening with content delivery networks. Paid prioritization is like an ISP putting up a digital toll booth. It would be akin to your town having one grocery store that effectively has a monopoly on distributing produce. So it decides to charge farmers a small fee for putting their produce in the front of the store. In contrast, content delivery networks actually do something. They aren't arbitrarily there. They make the content delivery faster and more efficient. And to be
1: honest, paid prioritization probably wouldn't be a problem if content providers had a choice between various ISPs. If they could choose who to set up
0: content delivery networks with, the ISPs would have far less leverage. But there are many places in the U.S. where both citizens and content providers have little to no choice between ISPs. And this is a problem widely recognized across the political spectrum.
1: Content providers and citizens need net neutrality because they don't want to be strong-armed
0: by the oligopoly of ISPs. But net neutrality doesn't fix the oligopoly, and right now the net neutrality rules all depend on whoever's running the executive branch of our government. So does that mean the solution is legislation, engraving the net neutrality rules into actual law? Or is the solution to facilitate competition so that startups can become small ISPs in their local area? Well, we don't know, and we're not sure anyone has the perfect solution to the problem. But damn it if I won't ramble uncontrollably in our discussion of those questions. And honestly, we think this should be the main focus in the net neutrality discussion. Could competition and
1: more choice for consumers and content providers still bring us a free and open internet? One thing we can see at a purely ideological level, that repealing of the Obama net neutrality rules is a win for conservatives and libertarians for reducing government involvement. However, you can see on the left side of the spectrum that net neutrality is going to protect people with smaller voices, not pick winners or losers purely by the ability to pay for fast lanes or prioritization. There are groups on the conservative side, however, like the Christian coalition that believe in those same things as well. So even among conservatives, there isn't exactly a consensus. We do see how with our current environment, there are effective oligopolies for ISPs across the country. So with no real choice, when it comes to choosing the ISPs in those areas, we do lose the merit of a free market choice. Right now, there's been no other time in human history where information can be shared as quickly and as easily as today. Except when we had the Pony Express. Oh man, we should bring that back. Uh, (laughs) But a lot of that is because of a free and open internet. You know, one option we have is complete federal oversight of the internet and ISPs to prevent abuses of power and maintaining the principles of net neutrality. Another option we have is lifting as many barriers of entry as possible, if not getting rid of them at federal and local levels for ISPs to enter the market. So instead of choosing between one or two in your area, you're actually choosing between four, five, six, seven, maybe more. And right now, or with that option, you'd have a government entity like the FTC or the FCC actually punish organizations that do anything to try to dismantle competition. Um, One thing I've brought up in the show and something I'm bringing up again is what I call the great American problem. Because of how big our country is, both at a population level and a size level, it's really hard to make legislation that is both effective and applicable across
0: 300 million plus people. It's the same problem that Fortune 500 companies have. You get big enough and eventually you can't make decisions that could make everybody happy.
1: Yeah. One of the things, even with the best intentions at heart, if it is written in legislation poorly, it will kill that idea it will kill that goal it would not be effective and it won't work as much as I want it to but hey at the end of the day what do I know I'm just a guy on the internet speaking into a microphone
0: so I have two things um the first one is and I this is this is brought up this is brought up on uh, on uh, con- more conservative or republican type viewpoints that we had a free and open internet before the open internet policy of 20 uh, the open internet rules of 2015. I think that's worth saying. That doesn't mean that there weren't cases of companies abusing their their power, right? We have the Comcast lawsuit, there were lawsuits against Verizon. There's tons there's tons of examples there. But the point is is that you weren't being censored in 2008, right? I mean like there wasn't rampant propaganda. We weren't in Soviet Russia before 2015 happened. We all sort of thought of the internet as an open and free platform, right? So it, it, I think that's that's just important to to bring up, mostly not not to nullify any of the validity of the net neutrality rules at all, but more because, you know, when I would go on social media, I would see people that like when net neutrality was repealed back in December, those rules specifically, the open internet rules in 2015. When they were repealed by the FCC in December 2017, I would go on Facebook and I would just see tons of people making comments about how their posts were going to be censored. And I'm like, no, that's, that's ridiculous. We're not just, first of all, that's against the Constitution. <laughs> so it's not happening. Um, if, 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 I mean, if you're on a private company's platform, that's one thing. They, they can They can censor you. But Facebook could already do that. Facebook could already take down your post because it felt like it. It already does that. If you put up something that's super super offensive, Twitter's the only platform. That's why Twitter has been renowned for its uh, making you feel like crap and a troll's paradise. Uh, one particular troll who happens to be in charge of our military. <laughs> but uh, yeah, so <gasps> Twitter Twitter likes to be like the free speech platform. That's what they really got themselves on now. They may or may not be arguably, depending on where you're on that. But the point is, is that um, you know we had a free, we have a free and open internet. For the most part, right? Free and open internet doesn't mean or not having a free and open internet by the 2015 open internet rules doesn't mean you're going to get censored or something, right? It's not. It's not going to be like that. We're not going to live in a communist country. Second point, I know uncontrollable ranting. <laughs> the second point that I wanted to make was that um, no matter how many, no matter who I brought up this issue to, I see everything getting boiled down to competition. Which is what we talked about earlier and james talked about it as well um for example when the fcc overturned uh the 2015 rules back in uh, december 2017 and they uh they but they kept the transparency rule to me that makes sense that actually makes sense right given a couple of conditions but first it makes sense because if every internet service provider, let's say, had to disclose on a governmental website, like, like I could go onto to FCC.gov, and there was a link that showed me every ISP, and it showed me every single thing that they were throttling or blocking, and I could then choose from that information, having that completely transparent and disclosed to me, I could then as a consumer choose the ISP that I wanted to use. However...
1: Right. Because we do have an effective oligopoly in a lot of parts of the country. Sometimes monopoly, depending on where you are. You know, there's no real choice. And that's where we lose that merit of the free market, where I don't like what you're doing, company A, so I'm going to take my money and spend it with company B. Right. Granted, a roadblock we see from that can sometimes happen at a state or local level with getting approval by those governments to lay down the infrastructure for the... In- Broadband internet or
0: any kind of internet process, right? Like through waivers and through the, having to pay for permits, permits and, and approval. And we didn't actually look up the numbers on that, but I would, I, I have done it before. And what I mean by we didn't look them up is, I of course am a nerd and extensively read about all of these things, but nothing that I have cited or put into our script. We can do that in the future. I happen to know for a fact that it's ludicrous. Like for water treatment facilities, these companies will sometimes pay tens of thousands of dollars for simple, like permits and things like that, just to be able to lay down pipes across square footage. As someone who has
1: worked on various public works projects, who's worked in power plants, done public work on bridges. Procedures
0: and paperwork, right? They take forever. Oh,
1: yeah. And this is me as a contractor. Like, they propose a project in, say, January of a year. Before that, the last year and a half, they had to get approval from county stuff. Then over the next six, seven months, it's a bidding and approval process by the county for all the bids that are going in. And that's if you have a fairly efficient government system on that at a local level. So it's insane for those things. That's why you see Google Fiber as an ISP. Really cool idea, really dig it, but you don't see it like as a widespread thing. It's like, oh, we're testing it here in somewhere, Montana.
0: The biggest complaints they had were because of the time that it took to get anything approved. It was extensive. And the amount of money that they were having to pay for basically people to sign pieces of paper to say, yeah, you can dig there or, yeah, you can put lines down there. And that doesn't mean that that stuff should be completely taken away. But, you know, that 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 it is a problem. It is a hindrance. It is a hurdle. Yeah.
1: And that um, could be defined as a very classic barrier to a high barrier to entry that would kill competition. Absolutely. So if we're going along a free market model and having that choice there, that's something that would need to be addressed. Granted, that is a state and local issue. It could be addressed at a federal government, but like I said, because of the great American problem, because of the difference in so
0: many localities, that's hard to make an actually good piece of legislation that will work for that. So here so here's what I see this really coming down to and I'm actually slightly proud at this moment for before what I'm about to say, because I feel like this is probably one of the most productive discussions we've had where this is actually coming to a, an actual close. And I'm not just rambling about cryptocurrency for 20 goddamn minutes. So <laughs> view every other episode we've ever done. <laughs> so here's the, here's the real conundrum. If you're, if you're going to, uh, typically, right, if you find yourself to be leaning on the conservative or Republican side, you probably want to say free market. You probably want to say, let competition do its thing. But there, is an, there are actual uh, roadblocks to allow competition to facilitate. Now, a lot of it is government, right? There are local and state government policies that actually make it more difficult for entrepreneurs to uh, – for startups to become ISPs and to invest in new technology to maybe have a wireless uh, uh, infrastructure for a new startup ISP in a local area. There have been some uh, uh, local governments, like with Chattanooga, that have started their own ISP, which is a possible solution. But the point is, is that these things aren't really talked about very much, and they're very few and far between. But it's a roadblock. The competition—there is not much competition, and we would need more of it. Now, on the other side, because of the lack of competition, it is arguable, if you are, if you are on the Democratic, more liberal side of things, more left-leaning— that we need net neutrality rules. So actually, I think one of the better solutions here is I think competition will ultimately solve this problem. But if, if I was working across the aisle from you, right, let's say I'm a Republican and you're a Democrat, I would say I'll grant you net neutrality legislation. If you grant me legislation that will then allow for a facilitation of startups and more competition to ultimately solve this problem in the future. So net neutrality rules to solve this problem now so we can keep the monopolies and oligopolies honest when they control pretty much the entire market in their area. But promise me that we can have legislation that will eventually lead 10, 15 years from now into the future into competition because like you just said, if this legislation is written poorly for years to come and it's the defining rule and we don't talk about competition or letting the market do its own thing, we potentially talk about a doomsday in 20, 30 years. Doomsday, that, that sounds too serious. Basically, just poorly no written- No more Facebook. <laughs> just poorly written legislation that could lead to um, you know, legal problems and things like that. Things we can't foresee and legal precedent being set for 20, 30 years from now that we can't undo. Um, the government is ultimately like a gigantic company in, in that- the bigger it gets the more inefficient it's going to get the slower it gets to to react to change and things government is almost by definition inefficient that doesn't mean it's not necessary and that doesn't mean there aren't lots of things that it does that are awesome that's not what anybody's saying here and re- and remember as i'm saying this i am i am i am left leaning uh, but that is pretty much that is pretty much the case especially in economics if you think about it economically so knowing that government inefficient poorly written legislation can completely ruin this thing right I would want to say, let's do net neutrality rules if you work with me to facilitate competition at a local and state level so we can solve the problem that ultimately everybody hates and that's that when I move to a new place, I can only get Fios or Frontier and they want to charge me a two-year contract to get a $100 Visa gift card that I don't care about. (laughs) If you sign up for a two-year contract, you get this $100 Visa gift card, you could use that to purchase the new blah, 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 or we have Spectrum now instead of uh, Bright House over here. It's, it's, and the service will just drop, and it's like, okay, yeah, it, it's, it's I can't switch to anybody. This is fun. It, it's a crapshoot, and I Comcast I hear is the worst. Like in places that have Comcast, it's like you have Comcast or you don't have internet.
1: <laughs> God, it's so bad. Living up north, it was so bad. <laughs> like, And that's something that I do agree with you. I think the solution is probably somewhere in the middle looking from short-term to long-term.
0: Right, like we can't just throw out net neutrality right now. It is a fact that there is no competition. And that is a problem. And yeah, and because of that, with at an oligopoly level
1: or monopoly level, once you have bad actors, there is no one to step in. And this is where the federal government needs to do that to protect the citizenry. Because as days and days go by, the Internet is becoming a more essential part of our daily life, and, whether it's business,
0: personal or whatever. And for anybody who wants to chime in and say, ah, but the government's going to step in with antitrust laws to make sure that the oligopolies and monopolies don't screw us over or net neutrality rules will do just fine on their own. No, they're not an ultimate solution. Net neutra- the net neutrality rules don't guarantee that you're not going to get effed over. They don't. It just, it's just another rule or, or law put in place that that someone can use in court to sue somebody else, to sue a company, to then get a lot of money from them it, or to make them go bankrupt. It doesn't stop these things from happening. Yeah, it doesn't mean if you're an area that only has Comcast or Frontier
1: or whoever, right? That doesn't mean once new, net neutrality is solid and s- there, whether it be through executive agent a- action, like through the FCC or the FTC, or through legislation from Congress, that that means oh, net neutrality is a thing. All of a sudden, I have five new ISPs in the middle of Moline, Kansas, which is a town of like
0: less than a thousand. And let's say let's say Comcast starts to acquire and absorb a whole bunch of other companies. What if what if the major bulk of the ISPs become uh, b- boiled down to three or four companies, right? And Verizon does something that's heinous. How long can they go without it being caught because of how massive they are? How long could they go without ever taking real punishment because of how massive they are and how much money they can throw at these lawsuits? Competition is ultimately what's going to be the thing that reduces all of that. Now, again, I'll grant, right, if the FCC's current overturning back in December 2017, that's not a solution. We haven't solved the competition problem. You can't just take away the net neutrality rules like that. But... The net neutrality rules are not the sole solution. They're not going to fix this yeah. problem. The problem is that you go you go into rural Pennsylvania, and you have Xfinity or Comcast, and they can just do whatever they want. And if anyone, any
1: single one of you that are listening to this has ever had to deal with customer service with your ISP, oh my you God. know the pain. You know the pain that's felt across the country. To me... Free and open internet, the net neutrality rules set by the Obama administration in 2015 are a good beginning to help start and facilitate an environment which can keep things protected. However, looking at the long term, competition is something that's needed. So those two things together can help maintain a free and open internet by preventing bad actors from being there, but then ultimately giving you,
0: a citizen, a person, A choice. And we actually think that this is like this is this is this should be the route that if I saw Washington, D.C., if I saw Congress go this route, I would be backing at one hundred and twenty five percent. This this to me is a perfect example of working with your with your uh, your fellow citizens, your fellow Americans across the aisle, getting a solution that will make you politically popular right now and politically popular with the other party. Wanting to facilitate competition while at the same time saying, yes, I agree with net neutrality. We need that right now. That's a solution we need right now. But competition is what's going to get us 100% of the way there in the future. That seems great to me. And actually, you know, I'll have you have a a response to that and then we should wrap this up so we're not going into 45 minutes or whatever
1: of an episode. Oh, no. The last thing I was going to do, I'm like, yo, my representative, Kathy Castor, you want to take this idea and run with it? Go for it. We'll tweet you. Oh, yes, we will. (laughs) We'll actually use our Twitter account. <laughs> but big thing, it passed the Senate, needs to go through the House. Contact your representatives on this.
0: Yes, uh, the joint resolution is likely to not pass the House. Um, so it, it's this really does look like it's more of a political stunt at the moment. But it, or the Senate's passing of the joint resolution, we mean. Um, but that's not to say that there can't be legislation written and currently it's being worked on. There's like freaking... There's like five introduced open bills on the floor or something like that, both a bit combined between the House and the Senate that have to do with net neutrality. And then
1: there's also infrastructure bills as well. Uh, there was a bill we were researching for a show which never happened called the Airwaves Act.
2: Uh, oh yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: So that's a whole new infrastructure for how the internet happens, the frequencies which all this goes about and it's super technical to the point where we're like, this isn't gonna work with our knowledge base at that point in time.
0: Yeah, it, just, it, it got really lengthy. Um, And we just, we felt like we probably weren't going to be able to do it justice. Um, And there also wasn't much to summarize it at the point. There might be now, like we could probably look at it now and and take a more summarized approach to it Um, because we're not, we're not lawyers. So we're not trying to delve into the specifics of this, but we also want to get the whole point of this podcast is to get more detailed than you might get on like ABC News or something or MSNBC or Fox where they're just like, this bill aims to do two sentences. And it's like, okay, ah, I think it does more than that.
1: Yo, this bill's like 50 pages long. It does more than two sentences of stuff. <laughs> yeah, it does, it does a lot of things. My dude just... <laughs> but So, at the end of the day, you know... Here's this be, politician to comment on the bill.
0: What Trump did uh, the... Trump, Trump did the... What did Trump did the... Obama did the... Nah, 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 nah. Exactly. Uh, <laughs> exactly. And, and invariably, you know, somebody gets... Bill Nye gets roped in somehow. And then climate change gets talked about. Someone's denying it. Someone's ridiculing someone else for denying it. Just let him do his Netflix show in peace. And Bill Mayer's is an atheist. Yeah. You can find us at SimWhip. Um,
1: Also. Dot com. SimWhip.com. Twitter (laughs) at SimWhip. Find us where most of your podcasts can
0: be found or where you're already listening to us. Yes. Um. Tell your friends about us if you think we're a good podcast. If you don't think we're a good podcast, tell us that we're a good podcast so that we can sleep easy at night. I'm and just if, kidding. Be honest with us. You should totally be honest with us. Oh, I need a lot of validation. Yeah. So lie to me. <laughs> no, uh, no, be honest.
1: Uh, I uh, would appreciate that more. Tell us
0: how we can improve. Um, tell us the kinds of things that maybe you would like to hear on the next episode. Um, tweet us at SimWhip about that.
1: Blow up our inbox. Slide into our DMs. Like,
0: God, that sounded really ribbity. Yes. Um, (laughs) Hello. All right. Um, So, yeah, and then also leave us a review. Uh, Five stars would be great. If you don't think we're five stars, leave us the number of stars that you think we are. Um, If you do leave one star, though, we will figure out where you live. All right. Bye, guys. (laughs)